Whether it's her first Mother's Day or her 40th, she deserves more. Shop tons of stunning on-trend jewelry for every budget at Diamonds Direct. Diamond fashion jewelry, beautiful birthstones, everyday pearls, starting at just $200. Commemorate the real loves of her life with a gorgeous pendant featuring the birthstone of the one who made her mom. This Mother's Day, Diamonds Direct has everything you need to say thank you. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. Online at DiamondsDirect.com. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. busted phone you just end up living with it i don't think so verizon lets you trade in your broken phone for a shiny new one you break it we upgrade it you dunk it doggy bone it <laughs> slam it wham it strawberry jam it we upgrade it get a 5g phone on us with select plans every customer current new or business because everyone deserves better and with plans starting at just 35 dollars, better cost less than you think Monday, December 6, 2021. I'm Dr. Avis Jones DeWeaver, sitting in for Roland, who's on a much needed vacation. Here's what's coming up on Roland Martin Unfiltered, streaming live on the Black Star Network. Civil rights groups send a letter to Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer, urging him to use his power to pass the House-approved social spending bill. Black women leaders and allies met with Vice President Kamala Harris to discuss the significant domestic policy and democracy issues facing our nation. Melanie Campbell, President and CEO of the National Coalition on Black Civic Participation, will be here. She'll tell us what happened in that meeting. The Department of Justice is suing Texas over its plan to redraw voting districts that would discriminate against Black and Latino voters. 
We'll tell you why the DOJ just closed the Emmett Till murder investigation. In Virginia, a cop will not face any charges in the death of Pharrell Williams' cousin, Donovan Lynch. The Lynch family will join us. Jelani Day's family is demanding the FBI investigate his death as a hate crime. Plus, Jesse Smollett takes the stand and details his relationship with one of his attackers. At least 32 cases of the Omicron COVID variant have been reported across 12 states. We'll tell you which ones. In our Fit Live Win segment, a look at the eat for your blood type diet. It's time to bring the fun on Roland Martin's Unfiltered, streaming live on the Black Star Network. Let's go. He's got it. Whatever the miss, he's on it. Whatever it is, he's got the scoop, the fact, the fine. And when it breaks, he's right on time. And it's rolling. Best believe he's knowing. Putting it down from sports to news to politics. With entertainment just for kicks, he's rolling. groups are urging Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer to do whatever it takes to pass the $1.7 trillion social spending bill. In a letter, several human rights groups, including the NAACP and UNIDOS, asked the majority leader to get the job done now that the bill had passed in the House. Dear Senator Schumer, now that the House has passed the Build Back Better Act, including a robust child tax credit, it is time for the Senate to take this up. The Senate should pass this legislation as is without amendments that would weaken provisions key to the racial equity impact of a child tax credit. The expanded monthly child tax credit must be extended before the end of the year to give families the certainty that the payments will keep coming. If the bill does not pass by the end of the year, we risk throwing millions of children back into poverty in 2022. Passing the Build Back Better Act provides a historic opportunity to reduce childhood poverty and continued support to the most vulnerable children, particularly in Black and Latino families. The House passed the roughly $2 trillion bill on November 19th. The Build Back Better framework uh, allows us opportunities to invest $555 billion to fight climate change, $400 billion for universal pre-K, $200 billion for child tax credits, another $200 billion for four weeks of paid leave, $165 billion on health care spending, $155 billion to expand affordable home care, $150 billion for affordable housing. The efforts to get the landmark bill passed come on many fronts. Today, members from the Black Women's Roundtable met with Vice President Kamala Harris to discuss the, sp the spending bill and voters' rights. Melanie Campbell, president and CEO of the National Coalition on Black Civic Participation, was in the room. She joins us now from D.C. How you doing there, Leader Campbell? <laughs> How you doing? Wonderful to see you. Can Chuck Schumer take— I love that. Red on you. 
Now listen, she gonna start this. The Delta AKA thing is going on already, okay? <laughs> so let me ask you this. Uh, you know, you have extraordinary leadership skills. And I'm wondering, can you give Chuck Schumer some lessons? Because it looks like he needs some. What do you think? I think they need to get this bill passed and get this voting rights bill passed before they go home for Christmas. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, yeah. we just detailed out all that the investments that are being made in a number of different areas. It sounds like to me this, this bill covers a wide variety of issues that would make a huge impact in the lives of black families all across this nation. What do you think is going to be the main holdup in the Senate that might, you know, torpedo this bill or at least the ability to get it across the finish line this month? I think they have to get make sure they have the 50 votes, but also make sure that they keep this, the, the strength of the bill is intact in as much as possible. Uh, one of the things that, you know, for Black Women's Roundtable, that's a, a key priority is uh, paid family leave, as you well know. And so uh, when you think about the fact that we're still in a pandemic and the reality about if it was if there was um, something that would show the need for paid family leave in this country has been what happened with the pandemic. And the reality that you don't want people going to work uh, sick. You want people to be able to take care of their families if they get sick. Uh, so it's really, really, um, uh, really, it's an economic uh, a justice issue. It's also a good business decision um, as well. Um, and so that's, uh, so for us, we've been pushing, uh, uh, Avis, as you know, we've been pushing voting rights and connecting that dot to economic justice. So we've been pushing for them the past, the, the infrastructure bill, the Build Back Better bill, but also other issues like reproductive justice as well, and, how, and make sure that people connect the dots to why voting rights is so important. Absolutely. And I'm so glad that you brought in this issue of voting rights, because it does all go together. But there does not seem to be, an, I would argue, a sense of urgency uh, on behalf of those in the Senate, at least it seems, to get either one across the finish line right now. Uh, particularly one of the things that we mentioned, for example, with the Build Back Better bill, is this issue of the child tax credit. I mean, it's literally lifted millions of children out of poverty. We stand at the precipice of going backwards on that issue. And when you have a senator from West Virginia, one of the poorest states in the nation, dragging his mm -hmm. feet on this and potentially being the one that will stop it from moving forward in December, you know, what do you think is the, how can you solve that problem when this clearly is something that will help constituents in his state? Well, I think one, one of course, the people of West Virginia have to demand that of him. Um, because you know, everything I hear about him is how, how tied he is to hearing from his constituency. And I know a lot of them have, but they have to uh, elevate that. I think also uh, when it comes to uh, President Biden and using his uh, influence as the leader of the Democratic Party and to really continue to use his influence to uh, uh, push for uh, Senator Manchin to uh, stay the course and, and vote for what is critically a, a core... Um, component of what this president ran on. Um, and so I think uh, that it's, it's vitally important that he do all he can as well. And then the peop people have to just keep weighing in and making sure that not just uh, Manchin, but make sure there there's others that stay on the on the um, on the right side of, of passing this bill. Absolutely. So you were in the room today with the vice president of the United States and 
We know that in addition to being a champion as it relates to this particular bill, she was really charged with helping to get the voting um, bill across the finish line as well. Uh, what mm -hmm. sense did you get from her about any sense of optimism or pessimism in terms of the Democrats really being willing to do what needs to be done in order to get, in my opinion, both of these across the finish line, which likely is having some sort of fix as it relates to the filibuster? Um, uh, I think a, a sense of determination would be the right uh, word to describe how, how I felt from her energy and, and discussion. Um, we met with her, uh, Avis, uh, several of us met with this Black Women and Allies group at NCNW and uh, a National African American Clergy Network, Power Rising, and so many other uh, uh, women, Black women leaders of, of organizations uh, nationally, as well as a few uh, local uh, from the states. Uh, as we've been pushing for voting rights and uh, these economic justice bills over the last four months now, believe it or not. Uh, but she uh, was very, very, very determined and and listening, and also saying that they're, you know, that, that she's pushing and and wants to do more, plans to do more, um, and that's and so I, I left there with that feeling that um, as the vice president, of course, she is the vice president, not the president. Her role in being a, um, a partner with uh, President Biden is really critical. That uh, they use all the ability to continue to push uh, for uh, this federal legislation. At the same time, there are things that can be done to help voters when it comes to voter vote, uh, access to voter registration, things like that, that because there are bills that are on the books still intact, Help America Vote Act, i.e. Motor Voter, uh, the things that can be done through um, um, uh, the um, HUD, uh, Housing and Urban Development, things that can be done through the Department of Education, through the agencies. And because the last administration really did not even, they were too busy talking about um, uh, non-existent voter fraud, the, some of these things that were in place were also decimated. So we talked about some of those things as we're getting ready to go into a very critical election year. And access to the ballot is, is also important, especially for our young people, and really spending some time on how important it is uh, to make sure that, that young people are, who are really about to be the majority voters in this country have um, a, a fair and free access to the ballot. I hear you. Well, as you know today, Melanie, the Justice Department uh, filed a lawsuit uh, challenging the maps that were adopted by Texas Republicans. In Texas. Right? The law alleged that new maps failed to recognize growth in the Latino population and violated the Voting Rights Act. Now, this is the second voting rights-related lawsuit that the Biden administration has filed against the state this year. The Justice Department has also challenged uh, redistricting voting, uh, restrictive voting measures passed by the legislature early this year. Um, I'm going to have you sort of comment on that. And I'm also going to bring in our incredible panel, uh, Dr. Julianne Malvo, as well as Dr. Uh, Ome Congo uh, Binga. Uh, and I am, apologize, brother, if I messed that up any, okay? I should know this, oh, that obviously. That was perfect. Perfectly, great. Uh, because I would love for us to talk about this because I see this as a critical act. First of all, do you think that the Department of Justice actions today are going to be enough, and, and has it happened soon enough, for this thing to really play out in a way that will make a difference before midterms, the midterm elections? Melanie, I'll start with you on that. Um, I think that uh, there's not enough time for 
those lawsuits to it's important that they be filed because it is a it is also a long uh, game that you have to look at. But the, in the short run, the, the election is here. Twenty two mm -hmm. is here. There is no way we can out organize, and there's not enough lawsuits that will move fast enough. And you don't have a Supreme Court that will put stays on some of these bad laws. So yeah. what does that mean? We have to have federal legislation for it to affect the 22 election. So I would say, yes, keep filing lawsuits wherever you see uh, voter suppression and discrimination when it comes to the, our voting process and, and, and the right to vote. Uh, but at the same time, there's nothing that we can do to really be ready for uh, the opportunity for people to have fair opportunity to vote and have that vote protected and not be uh, for, for organizers, not to be uh, uh, fearful of being charged for giving somebody water like in Georgia uh, in lines uh, next year. And you have to have federal voting rights legislation passed for that to happen. The John Lewis Voting Rights Restoration Act, as well as the Freedom to Vote Act to help provide uh, fair access to the ballot. I hear you. So, Dr. Malvo, I mean, it, it, I guess, you know, better late than never, but to me, this is just one of those things that shows that there doesn't seem to be a lot of sense of urgency. I'm glad that that's happened, but we still have heard absolutely nothing on Capitol Hill, you know, really, with regards to any energy around moving a fix to the Voting Rights Act in the Senate. You know, what do you think it will take in order to see some real action with federal legislation, which, as Melanie pointed out, is really what's needed here to make a difference? Well, first of all, shout out to Melody and thanks for her leadership, her really intense leadership around this issue. But secondly, I have to say that there is no urgency. And quite frankly, with all due respect to all of my sisters, uh, I am disappointed that the vice president has not been more vocal and more out there about this. President Joe Biden, when he won in South Carolina, said he had our back. No, he has not had our back. Uh, we have not seen him have our back. The fact is that if this president walked the halls of the Senate and twisted some arms, he might get what we need. And this vice president as well. She is wonderful. She's brilliant. She's lovely. But they have not put the skids under this. They have not pushed it the way it needs to be pushed. And this is important because there are no rights without voting rights. There are no economic rights without voting rights. There are no political rights without voting rights, no housing rights, no food security rights without voting rights. And I think that somehow this has been lost in the weeds. I'm very frustrated with this administration around this issue. Uh, I hear you. So, so Dr. Omegongo, uh, your position on that, you know, do you think it's even um, Biden's personality type to twist arms? I mean, he doesn't really seem to be... <laughs> It doesn't seem to have the energy to do that, honestly, these days. And, and then you also have to wonder, you know, in the role of vice president, is, you know, Vice President Harris sort of boxed in. It doesn't, it, it does not really behoove her, it seems, to seem to be going out in front of the president on any policy issue, as important as it is. So at the end of the day, does the buck stop with Joe? And if so, what do we need to do to get him moving on this issue? 
Well, most definitely. And I also want to echo the sentiments towards uh, Ms. Campbell and all of the great work you're doing on behalf of our, our community. We really appreciate you. And, and, and yes, this does, the buck does stop with, with, with Biden and Harris. Look, I remember when they came into office and they were trying to go hardcore on getting some of their COVID release passed. And you saw uh, Vice President Harris going into West Virginia, doing local television, getting Manchin pissed off, and they were doing all of the stuff to rile the feathers. Where's that energy on, on voting rights? If you're talking about you have our back, look, we're talking about what they're doing in Texas, where you're going to have representatives Al Green and Sheila Jackson Lee competing against each other. This is ridiculous. And yes, this is the second lawsuit. Yeah, there's going to be a third and a fourth. But again, the federal legislation will take care of this. And people have to be mindful of the fact that Trump and all of his cronies are coming back hard. They're putting all of these people in place across the country who have, who have already said they will overturn elections and that they would have overturned the last one if they were the deciders. You see that Trump announced today that they got about a billion dollars for some type of social media company for money we don't know where it came from. They are going on a full court press to steal the next election, and we already have the blueprint and two voting rights bills that can be right on the table right now. And President Biden is trying to be this I'm going to save the soul of America, play it down the middle type of guy. It's not working right now. And we're seeing the same thing that happened at, at, where that led to the end of Reconstruction when people just basically said, well, you know, black people, they've come far enough. We don't really, you know, they, they're good. They're fine. And they let us end up losing the vote, which ended up leading into Jim Crow at the end of the Reconstruction with the Tilden Hayes Compromise. And we're seeing the same thing happen again. And if they don't get this done, Schumer said, hold my feet to the fire, blah, blah, blah. If they don't get this done, they are going to lose us going into 2022 and going into 2024. And as we all know, some of us have already given up because they haven't seen Biden and Harris fight hard enough to date. Yeah, well, that, that would be supremely unfortunate, um, given that, you know, if you know people are fighting against you, the last thing you need to do is acquiesce. And acquiesce. You know, my belief is you fight till the end. But, but he, right. here is the... Here is the um, the point that you made that was so brilliant. I mean, this is really like history repeating itself. I completely agree with that. And I also kind of think of this as really honestly uh, the rebirth of American apartheid in many ways. Uh, because what's really going on here uh, with regards to the stealing of voting rights, that's how I would characterize what's been happening all across the country, as well as the packing of the Supreme Court, what you have here is an all-out right-wing effort to make majorities irrelevant, numeric majorities irrelevant, okay? Uh, this really is the point in which you see where white uh, majority rule is, is, you know, has its day's numbers with regards to the demographics of this nation, you are seeing a concerted effort to make uh, the literal majority of the nation or democracy irrelevant now. They are really setting up a situation where there will be minority rule in this country. The House is on fire. Uh, but I still want to say I don't see a lot of action here from the Democratic Party. Schumer seems to be... I, I don't even understand why he's the leader. Please. I, I really well, do not understand why he's the leader. <laughs> he is exerting zero, zero leadership. Where is the leadership? I don't see it. And, and honestly, you know, I, I understand the frustration here with, you know, the Biden-Harris ticket, but let's also be realistic that she is a vice president and not a president, and there really is not the ability for a vice president... You know, there is no... She doesn't really have the power in that role to supersede the uh, priorities of the president. The problem to me seems ability. to be but that this does not seem to be a priority or an urgent priority on Joe Biden's agenda. 
And my question to you, Melanie Campbell, is why is that not the case? What do we need to do? I know you've been doing a lot of work in the streets. You've gotten arrested, and many uh, black women have gotten arrested, and men have gotten arrested around mm -hmm. this issue numerous times. What do we need to do uh, to waken up, wake up thousands of people around this nation? Because this really is the beginning of American apartheid. If you guys think what's happening with the Supreme Court right now is scary, let me just tell you, that's just the tip of the iceberg. Because if they can undo that precedent, what keeps them going for, going for other precedents in the future? We've, they've already gutted the Voting Rights Act. What's next? I mean, what do you think, uh, Melanie, needs to happen to really let the masses understand how urgent this situation is, and I think engage in some really huge acts of civil disobedience all across this country to tell the Democratic Party, we're holding you just as responsible as the Republicans. Because while they're going around this nation passing hundreds of laws to undermine our voting rights, you're sitting on your hands as if there's nothing that you can do. But you know exactly what you need to do, yet you don't have the courage to do it. What can we do to sort of spark that type of energy and change? I think what we have to do is we can't let off the gas, number one, right? I think if people can't sit on the sidelines, we have to expand the pressure. Uh, we're going back out there Wednesday in the snow and the rain on Wednesday. We have to show up and make the demand. There's nothing in our history that we have ha we have won victories without us sacrificing and pushing the envelope. Nobody's going to exert, uh, uh, whether you're our friend or our foes. And so we're at that we're at that this inflection point. And so yes. we have to fight even harder. We, we need more people in the streets. We need more people showing up on the things that we're doing with Black Women Take Action. We have to show up. And, and the sense of urgency has to be elevated. And until we win, when we started down this road, you could have told me that we were going to have to do what we did. But guess what? Our predecessors, our ancestors had to do it. Unfortunately, it's something we thought we didn't have to fight for. But folks who, don't, who believe that there's only a, a small amount of folks a certain type of white male, even, that should have the power, have already decided that they will throw the whole structure of this democracy to the wind in order to stay in power. So we have to be much more organized in our efforts, in our community, and demand of our friends, as well as to, to, to deal with our foes and find ways to get them out of the way. This is the fight of a lifetime for us, and we have to, I agree, it is not... Um, at the level that it needs to be. But I tell folks, go to blackwomentakeaction.org, show up with us on Wednesday. We're going to be out there uh, uh, with our Freedom Walk. We're going to be out there uh, uh, protesting. Uh, others are doing things this week. I think Reverend Barber has something going on. Others are going on, and we're going to be out there. And we need more uh, of uh, our people to, to stand up and make the demands, and uh, as our quote-unquote allies as well, which is what we've been trying to do, is make sure, because this is not a black issue, it will have adverse impact on black and brown people, but this is a democracy issue. This is an issue about whether or not we're going to look up, and you, and you brought it. I agree wholeheartedly what's happening in the Supreme Court with this, uh, this issue around uh, the Mississippi case is a test to see just what, uh, where this can go. And so... Uh, history, again, has shown us uh, 
uh, we can be in a good place, uh, and then we can look up, and then we, there's a, a, a push backwards when it comes to uh, a, a, a taking away our rights. And our children are depending on us to do our part and lead and fight until we win, as Derek always says. Absolutely true. And, and in the words of Frederick Douglass, power concedes nothing without nothing. demand. It never has and it never will. And you're exactly right. That not just applies to our foes, it applies to our supposed allies. I would love to see the same amount of energy that we see on behalf of black lives in the street on behalf of black power in the street. Because that's exactly yes. what we're talking about when we're talking about mm -hmm. what's been happening all across this nation. Mm -hmm. To undermine our voting power is to undermine our power writ large on a wide variety of issues uh, that are important to us, including mm -hmm. issues around black lives. So it is and, the and, and one Avis, thing that's not... Say, yes. I would say, Avis, in, uh, before I, court, uh, with, in the meeting today, mm -hmm. I will say, one of the things that we, that we did leave with, I felt, um, and, and many of us, uh, you can speak to others who were in the meeting, that um, uh, Vice President, and I, and I will say uh, in absentia of the president, they get it, they're going to have to go uh, harder. Well, what's so taking so long? I'm looking to see. Um, you can ask them that question. <laughs> I'm just saying, I feel like you have to ask them that question. Um, but I think part of why we meet is we have to make those, uh, we have to, that was part of the reason to meet. Yeah. Right. Was yeah. to continue to say to to our friends, we need you to do more. So that's part of what was up, that meeting was about. And I left there feeling that she, she got that. And we just have to keep pushing. I hear you. Dr. Malvo, I know you wanted to add something to that. I really do, because, Melanie, as much as I love and respect you, I have to say we cannot let our VP off the hook. I don't know how often she meets with yeah. the president, but if he's playing yeah. her, he could be. If he's playing her, shame on her and shame on us. But he said he had our back. He appointed a black and Asian-American woman to be the VP. She has to come out. We have seen VPs step over, step over right. the president. Joe Biden did it when he yeah. decided that same-sex marriage was a priority. Obama lagged on it. He stepped out there. He did it. And I'm asking our VP, our sister, to step out there. Again, there are no rights without voting rights. And so this, to me, is just a pathetic, excuse me, pathetic way of approaching our most fundamental rights. Oma Congo is and, right. And, and Julianne, I just want to make sure that we're clear. I, she should speak for her own self. I'm saying to you, I left that meeting feeling that she understood that and she's going to do more and that they have to do more. That's, on, that's the only point I'm making. The fact that you left feeling mm -hmm. that... I feel mm -hmm. let down by the Biden-Harris administration. I am yes, living. But we got to keep fighting them. But look, they, look. Wait a minute. Sideline. I, 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 I can live it about <laughs> But we have and to keep fighting and pushing them, Julianne. We could be disappointed, but we have to keep pushing them. And that's why you meet with them. That's no, why you I'm make the demand. But we have to also yeah. hold them accountable. Mm -hmm. Accountable. Right. We can't go back to 1896. And that's what... Obakongo, Dr. Obakongo was referring to. At post-Reconstruction, they start taking our stuff, taking our stuff, taking okay. our stuff, and they go again. And too many of us are too silent. We're too in love with having a black woman in the White House to... Mm, uh, I don't know about that. Well, 
I feel like she's getting extraordinary criticism, yeah, no, she's specifically because yeah. she's a black woman in the White House. But mm -hmm. that's a whole other conversation. But but what but 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 what you're saying writ large, Dr. Malvo, I completely agree with you, and that I'm disappointed too. Okay, uh, you know, I, 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 I honestly, I'm way past disappointment. I'm at the point where I'm pissed. I mean, th this is absolutely ridiculous. There is no excuse. Okay, there's no excuse for for the lagging of the feet. There's no excuse for the lack of urgency. Honestly, there's no excuse for the lack of backbone. Now, I, I, I hear what you're saying about sometimes there's been precedent of a few, you know, you can come up with a few isolated incidents where there's been precedent uh, of a vice president superseding the president on the issue. But let's also acknowledge the fact that black women are not uh, measured with the same root on yardstick as white men are. Uh, and so, uh, you know, I feel like she's already been getting a very unfair treatment in the press just because she's a black woman. You know, this ridiculousness about how she's hard on people. I am sure that she is not any more stringent on people than a white male would be in that position, but, but they are oftentimes, oftentimes considered as leadership qualities. But let's, let's not, Dr. Omekongo, I would love to hear your, your opinion on, you know, I'm sorry, go ahead. If she's getting that criticism, some of which frankly is deserved, but if she's well, how do you that, know? Did you work for? Her? <laughs> Hell no. I, you know, I don't work for people. I don't make a. I don't. I don't make a habit of that. Right. Um, so I'm just saying, but, the only people know are people that work for. And but, you know, there have I'm been saying, conflicting evidence on that. And but the but the evidence that seems to get all the attention are the critics. And I'm just saying, there's a long history. And I know you know this as a black woman. Uh, you know, when we are stern, when we have expectations, when we hold people to deadlines, when we are trying to meet a specific goals that but we have in our organizations, we are criticized for that and called everything but a child of God. But anybody else having that same, exerting that same leadership style are, are shown as good leaders. Hasn't done it. She has a bandwidth to step out. I agree with you. Black women, we get it. I've gotten it my whole life. I don't know how many, I'm not going to tell y'all how many years, but anybody who Googles me knows. I mean, every time I do something, I get criticism. Loud black woman. Yeah. But the fact is that when you have that reputation, you also have the flexibility to step the you-know-what out. And she has not done it. Do really quickly, Dr. Uh, Omekongo, your thoughts, and then we have to move on. I think at the end of the day, all roads start and end with President Biden. We can talk about President Harris, or Vice President Harris stepping up. I think that she's going to continue to do more to behind-the-scenes stuff like traditional vice presidents have done, even though people are asking for more. But we have to understand the first thing, going back to Reconstruction, the first thing they went to after that ended was not property, was not work rights, it was the vote just like they are strategically doing it right now. Mm -hmm. So it starts and ends with Biden. We know a lot of the Harris critique is about black women hate. We understand that. But Biden has to get out there and prove that he has our backs like he said he did, because right now he is seeming so comfortable we are about to lose something that is fundamental to our existence in America. Absolutely. And he's about to lose mm -hmm. his governing majority in Congress if he doesn't get his stuff mm -hmm together because it's <laughs> our vote that makes the Democrats writ large win. So with that That's said, right. there's more to come on Roland Martin Unfiltered. Uh, the family of a black man killed in Virginia has a lot to say about the officer who killed Donovan Lynch not facing any charges. Donovan's father and sister will be with us. Plus, Jelani Day's family wants the FBI to investigate his death as a hate crime. And later in our Fit Live Win segment, 
eating for your blood type. Uh, this is Roland Martin Unfiltered on the Black Star Network. We'll be right back after this break from our partners, Nissan and Amazon. Betty is saving big holiday shopping at Amazon. So now, she's free to become Bear Hug Betty. Settle in, kids. You'll be there a while. It's your man Dion Cole from Blackish, and you're watching Roland Martin Unfiltered. Stay woke. has been missing since November 30th, 2021 from Los Angeles, California. The 28-year-old stands five feet, seven inches tall, weighs about 130 pounds with black hair and brown eyes. He was last seen wearing an olive green sweatshirt with Sayo Polo uh, on the front. If you have any information on Devin Newsom's call the Los Angeles Police Department at 877-284-7328. Civil rights attorney Ben Crump joins the fight to discover what happened to Jelani Day. Crump is demanding the FBI take charge of the investigation and urge Chicago officials to prioritize the case. The Illinois State University graduate student disappeared in August and was found dead in the river four weeks later. Uh, local authorities are still investigating his death. But Day's mother, Carmen Bolden uh, Day, says law enforcement officials believe her son died by suicide, which she dismissed. You don't know what happened. You don't know what for what reason. I don't know how you cannot stop insisting that the people who have made pledges to protect and serve find the answers for you. I know. And they're not magicians, but my son went missing. The last day he was seen was August 24th of 2021. I filed a missing person report on August 25th. His body, the body that was found, was found on September 4th. It wasn't until September 23rd that I identified this body as my son. 
to tell you, my heart breaks uh, for that mother and family uh, to lose your child, have them missing for weeks, have them found in this very disturbing way, and still really not getting any information that you deem as credible has got to be heartbreaking. Um, you know, Dr. Malvo, I'll start with you. Uh, you know, what do you think needs to happen? Uh, for that family to get some closure here and to really get the truth about what happened to their son since this suicidal claim doesn't really seem to have much merit in their eyes. Well, the suicidal claim is nonsense. This is a young man who was on the, the, on the uptake, the PhD student who's doing his work. It's nonsense. But I think that the pain is compounded by the fact that as Jelani Day was reported missing. This white girl was reported missing, and that was like the FBI central. Mm -hmm. It was all over the place. And so what you saw publicly was the value of one kind of life, white female life, over another kind of life, black male life. And that, for that family, has to be gripping. The mm -hmm. FBI needs to not only do an investigation about what happened to Jelani, but they also have to do an investigation about how these local law enforcement people blew this woman off. She knew her son. She knew, and she knows, and we know, this brother did not commit any suicide. Somebody followed him. I mean, I don't know. I have no, not the facts, but, you know, I do love to speculate. And uh, <laughs> in speculation, we know he was last seen at a cannabis shop. Somebody probably found followed him, he probably had a little coin, and they, you know, basically did away with him. And we're also in an area where there is anti-blackness. So I am happy that Ben Crump is there. I was happy to see my colleagues at Rainbow Push. I saw Reverend Jeanette Wilson standing on the side. I'm happy to see them there. But it's going to take more than just that little bit. The FBI has to start dealing with... You just did a segment, Avis, about... Um, Black and missing. Mm -hmm. Our missing has never been an issue for predatory capitalist white America. Mm. Sad mm -hmm. but true. Uh, Dr. Omi Kongo, what are your thoughts about how can we get to a point where we can figure out a way to get this nation to prioritize black lives when they go missing in the same way that they seem to prioritize uh, the white female missing person? The, the best way to do it is by doing what we're doing tonight. We have to show them how it's done and, and let them follow our lead. I'm so happy that 
you know, on this show, we do the Black and Missing segment and so many other people who are out there using their platforms to do it because just like with music culture and everything else, people start to follow our lead. And the more vocal we are about it and the more we demand that these other organizations do it as well, they're going to start doing it. And, and I've seen it a little bit, and we have to keep the pressure on. And this, 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 this story, you know, just uh, started to just break me down because you know what it really made me think of? Two other people, Ahmaud Arbery and Breonna Taylor. Mm -hmm. And the fact of the matter is, these, these stories happened, and then it took all of this extra push, all of this extra fight to bring the attention to the media. I think what happened with Arbery happened in February, and the video didn't come to light until May because his mother had to keep fighting for her son, who they also made up all of these stories about, didn't even arrest the killers at, 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 the, at the scene. And this is what we have to do to continually show that we matter. Mothers are stepping up, fathers are stepping up, communities are stepping up. And as people are starting to see this, they're starting to be like, oh, wow, they, they, it really is important. That's the only way it's going to happen, because really, at the end of the day, they've never cared about us on any major level. Mm -hmm. But they know that we're consumers. They know that we're spending money on their networks and advertising dollars and all of this other type of stuff. The more we speak up on it, the more they're going to speak up on it, because we have to stop making the burden of finding missing black bodies on the feet of the parents and families. We got FBI, we got police, we got investigators, local sheriffs and all this. They need to do their job just as much as they do for other people. They need to do it for us. Absolutely. Amen to that. So the investigation in the 1955 murder of Emmett Till is officially closed. The DOJ opened its investigation after the woman who accused Till recanted her story to a professor in 2017. But the DOJ, DOJ says it cannot prove the woman lied to federal <laughs> investigators, even though she said she did. Okay, interesting. Uh, Till uh, was visiting family in Mississippi uh, when a white woman accused the 14-year-old of pro propositioning her. Two white men later abducted and beat the teenager to death. Uh, Oh, my goodness. I don't even know where to start with this. Uh, <laughs> whew, Dr. Ome Congo, um, like I said, I don't even know where to start with this. Uh, you know, what are your thoughts about the fact that uh, here we are, they're finally closing the case that they didn't close because the person who lied, because mm -hmm. she said that she lied, so I'm just going to take her at a word at this point, that she actually lied. Yep. But now they're saying they yep. don't know that she lied. I mean, what in the world is going on uh, at the Department of Justice? No, it's like people just continually want to just spit on Emmett Till's grave and the grave of his whole family, Mamie Till and everybody else. And it's just completely disrespectful. She came out and said that she lied. When I listen to stories of people like Joe Madison and the like, and people who lived during that time and how shocking it was um, to and change their whole psyche and how we've had the Trayvon Martins of the world and the Michael Browns reminiscent of Emmett Till. And you see, even up until today, the woman can come out and confess to the truth and still can't get this justice. This woman's lies killed him, and now her truth is killing him further. And it's really, it's really frustrating, and, and I'm happy that so many of us are upholding his memory, but I, it just continually see, see, seems to me 
And I think every single year when they fixed his memorial, people drive by and shoot at it to such an extent that they had to put a bulletproof barrier around it. People keep continuing to bury this man, and we have to make sure that we, well, young boy at the time, and we have to continue to make sure that we are uplifting him because the DOJ, Carolyn Bryant, and all of these guys continue to just spit on his grave, and, and we can't have it. I completely agree with you. Uh, uh, Dr. Malvo, honestly, what can we glean from this about American culture? I mean, here is this, you know, the, the issue that led to this child's death. And I just want to reiterate that again, as you so rightly did, uh, Dr. Omi Congo, child murdered, okay? The issue that led to his death was the so-called, you know, privileging and protection of the dainty white woman. And here we are, uh, decades later, and this not-so-dainty white woman came out and, and finally admitted, I don't know what was going on, maybe she thought she was about to kick the buck and she wanted to, you know, confess her sins, saying here that, okay, actually, what I said happened never happened. And they killed that child for no reason. And now the Department of Justice is saying, well, we can't really prove that she lied. What does that tell us? I mean, to me, it seems like it's saying something about how, you know, white privilege has no freaking bounds because what it is doing is suggesting that white people maybe can't be that bad, but really all evidence suggests <laughs> that they can. You know, Avis, the last time I actually broke down in public, um, and I don't do that very often, as you know, was when I was at the National African American Museum and I looked at the Emmett Till casket. Mm -hmm. It reminded me of being a little girl um, and having my mom show me the picture in ebony and saying to my brother, be careful of white women. I, mm -hmm. I, I, I'll never forget, be careful of white women. And the fact is that we all do this kumbaya BS, but when a white woman clutches her pearls and says that a black man has been out of order, he has been signed up for a lynching. We, and, and, and the lie, see, the part of this, Avis, that I have to just go into um, is the lie about white female fragility. Yes. Most black men were lynched because they had too much, not because they mm. were raping white women, but because they had too much. Mm. Now, in the Emmett Till case, I mean, and I can give you, you, you know me, I can give you line, chapter, and verse, Tulsa, Wilmington, North Carolina, um, so many black men who just accumulated even a little bit, and their little bit was threatening the white people, so they were lynched yes. because they had. And so this is where we are again. But meanwhile, back at the ranch, the whole thing with Emmett Till is about a putrid, P-U-T-R-I-D, putrid white woman mm. who sat in her whatever she thought she was in, and accuse a child, and let's say get a child. They said he was reckless eyeballing. He was a kid. He didn't know what he was doing. If he did reckless eyeball, which he probably didn't, this was an insecure, ugly ass, and I'm going to say it, and you know, I try not to curse on the air, ugly ass white woman who was trying to incite her husband. And all too often that happened. I'd be at Wells documented lynching that I was talking about just the other day. It was a lynching that happened um, 
when a itinerant black man kind of walked the road, you know, he walked the road and he fixed people's fences and he did whatever. He hooked up with or met a white woman who was a widow, theoretically attractive. I've never seen really an attractive white woman, but they said she was. And so anyway, they hooked up. He was helping her with her house. They began a sexual relationship. White people were mad because this woman had property. And she's like, why is she laying up with this brother? They busted into her house one night to find them in bed. She initially cried rape. Mm -hmm. They had had a consensual relationship for months, but she cried rape. They took him and they tied him to a tree. They went to burn him. This is what we also don't understand about lynchings. Burnings occurred as well. When they gave her the match to light, oh he said to her, honey, would you do this to me after all I've been to you? And you know what? The itch lit the match. And so this is our history. And this is why, for so many reasons, it's so challenging for black and white women to work together. Because we know that when you're behind lies, my brother is going to go hanging off a tree. And mm. that is the Emmett Till story. How dare anyone shoot there? But they're going to do that because what is America is racism is baked in the cake we call America. It's all up in there. You, can, you can't slice it out like you slice out a little piece and say, okay, we're going to take this piece out because it's all up in there. It's like cinnamon is in applesauce. It's just up in there. And we have to consistently resist this notion. And forgive me for going on so long, but, you know, the whole Emmett Till story um, reduces me to pudding. Makes me feel so... um, I don't even have the word, Avis. It just makes me feel so angry, but also at some point so empowered. Because we ain't going to let this spit go down. We ain't going to let the spit go down. So we will keep fighting. Absolutely, we'll keep fighting. But, you know, I, I definitely feel and understand your anger. Uh, the reality is that how can, you know, we're not that far from this moment. This is not mm-hmm. ancient history yeah. as much as people like to act like it is. Uh, neither is it ancient history just in terms of timetable. But I would argue it's not an ancient history in, in, in regards to actually what happens in present day oftentimes based on um, statements that aren't true. Uh, based on just a culture that tends to prioritize uh, and elevate uh, white womanhood and all instantly consider black males to be uh, inherently criminal and how that leads to situation that causes the deaths of black men uh, at the drop of a hat. Um, Dr. Uh, Ole Congo, um, what do you think about this challenge that we continue to wrestle with. I mean, honestly, I don't like to throw up my hands with anything, and I know that we've made some progress, but it's certainly very discouraging to see this as something that's completely embedded in American culture. And how do you uh, move past this cultural challenge that I think goes well beyond any sort of legal remedies? This is just who, mm-hmm. what, who and what America is, is it not? 
Absolutely. I believe it was Julian Bond who said uh, America literally spells out if you just switch the words around to I am race, right? I mean, it's, <laughs> it's been the basis of, of who we've been from the beginning. And the way to get around it is, uh, I, is two words, on blast. We have to continue to put people on blast. I, I believe it was Johnny Cochran who said, you hit people in their pocketbooks and their hearts will follow. All mm -hmm. of the hashtagging. This is what led to the wild black hashtagging trend that happened over the last two years or so. Putting people on blast, letting companies see their employees act up, this has led to people getting fired. This has led to people getting reprimanded. This has led to people getting arrested. And again, we're not calling for violence on violence, but when, when we see these people in the streets and they're getting recorded and it's making it back to their companies and they're losing their jobs, these are the types of punishments that we need to call them out for. Because, and really, at the end of the day, I've seen some of these videos where some of the black folks who are in them they, they mad, and they are starting to retaliate violently as well. So people need to be on notice for that, because we don't condone any of that. So at the end of the day, we need to continue to use our platforms to call these people out. We're running these social medias in terms of hashtagging, and, and, and we have these platforms out there using it, letting people know that we are not tolerating it anymore. I, I mean, I'm just imagining what if we had, you know, the social media back in those days and what we could have done to help expose women like Brian and all of these other people who are lying out there and what could the consequences have been. So I think that that's what we need to be doing. We need to continue doing it. And it kind of ties into the other segment, showing people that our lives matter. You're not just going to lie on us for sitting in our car, for working at an ATM machine, for selling lemonade, for selling Girl Scout cookies, for just walking down the street, all of this other type of stuff. We are going to show you that our lives matter. It may cost you your job. It may cost you some other type of, of thing that you love. But we are going to let you know one way or another that this is going to stop. Absolutely. And, and, and I wonder if, you know, with all of the sort of Karenisms that you, that you just kind of <laughs> laid out there, you know, I think about there are just so many dangers from the, 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 the noisy, annoying Karens to literal life or death issues. I'm thinking about it just came back from Miami with my oldest son who wanted to go to Art Basel for a minute. We went out there and he wanted to hang out uh, that evening. And, and I told him, I was like, okay, hang out. He's he's grown man, 25, but I'm like, mm -hmm. be careful. This is Florida. We're not home. Trayvon Martin, mm -hmm. Jordan Davis, uh, you know, there are folks around here who will just shoot you and just ordinary citizens, not even policemen, yeah. right? So, you know, my thought to, to you, Dr. Malvo, how do we keep our our, our children safe, our, our loved ones safe, ourselves safe, navigating a society where it seems like in many instances, it kind of, uh, you know, gives people the, definitely, not even kind of, it gives people the feeling that they are empowered to literally take black people's lives uh, at the drop of a hat. Well, it, they're empowered to kill. Those people who shot down Ahmaud Arbery, they were empowered to kill. They thought they could do that. They were checked. But, you know, Congo, I have to say, you raise a point about what if we had social media back in the day. There are three reasons why social media back in the day wouldn't work then and doesn't always work now. Number one, you have a bunch of wuss black people. I'm just going to put it out there. Folks who, mm -hmm. well, maybe they should have, they shouldn't have been walking there. So that's wuss black people, number one. Number two, this stuff is not individually isolated. It is structural. If it were individually mm -hmm. isolated, we get upset about a Trayvon Martin, about a George Floyd, about an Abed Arbery, about a Breonna Taylor. That is individual isolation. 
the issue is a structural way that black people can be demonized and victimized every time we do something. Inhale, walk down the street, use an ATM, uh, say something to somebody. You know, um, mm -hmm. it is amazing. So we got the wuss black people, we got the structuralism, and the third thing we have is white indifference. Mm -hmm. There is an indifference to our lives. I have started, which is a very bad habit, a reading uh, comments on various stories in the Washington Post. It's a very bad habit because mm. I spend too much time. <laughs> oh, yeah. So, like, going back at stupid white folks saying, have you lost your mind, your racism is showing, or something like that. But the fact is that there are some myopic white people who believe that we deserve this. And we have to go all the way back to when we got here and how we were dehumanized, demonized, made to seem threatening. This is how we ended up with the prison industrial complex to ensure that black men especially, but also black women, were free labor for this predatory capitalist system. We have to basically deal with that. And unfortunately, we are in the minority. Avis, earlier you talked about uh, the majority of the minority. But the fact is that our country was never designed for the majority to be able to vote, to have power. It was always designed, when you have look at the way the Senate is constructed, that uh, Vermont has the same number of senators as California, which has mm -hmm. 10 times the population. It was always designed to be minority, predatory, capitalist rule. Mm -hmm. We need a revolution. At the end of the day, we just need to turn this you-know-what out. And that's back in the day what we tried to do, and folks were like, oh, no, calm down. It's all going to be okay. No, it ain't okay. It won't be okay until we make it so. I hear you, my girl. So coming up, Jesse Smollett takes the stand in his trial, revealing his relationship with one of his attackers. Plus, a Virginia family is not happy the police officer who killed Donovan Lynch will not face any charges. Stay with us on Roland Martin Unfiltered. We'll be right back after this break. You're watching the Black Star Network. Alexa, play our favorite song again. Okay. I only oh, that spin class was brutal. Well, you can try using the Buick's massaging seat. Oh, yeah, that's nice. Can I use Apple CarPlay to put some music on? Sure. It's wireless. Pick something we all like. Okay, hold on. What's your Buick's Wi-Fi password? Buick Envision 2021. Oh, you should pick something stronger that's really predictable. That's a really tight spot. Don't worry. I used to hate parallel parking. Me too. Hey. Really outdid yourself. Yes, we did. The all-new Buick Envision. An SUV built around you. All of you. Once upon a time, there lived a princess with really long hair who was waiting for a prince to come save her. But really. 
Who has time for that? She ordered herself a ladder with Prime One Day Delivery, and she was out of there. Now, her hairdressing empire is killing it. And the prince? Well, who cares? Prime changes everything. Folks, Black Star Network is here. I'm real um, revolutionary right now. Support this man, Black Media. He makes sure that our stories are told. I thank you for being the voice of Black America, Roller. Hey, Black, I love y'all. All momentum we have now. We have to keep this going. The video looks phenomenal. See, there's a difference between Black Star Network and Black-owned media and something like CNN. You can't be Black-owned media and be skate. It's time to be smart. Bring your eyeballs home. You dig? I'm Cupid, the maker of the Cupid Shuffle and the Wham Dance. What's going on? This is Tobias Trevelyan. And if you're ready, you are listening to and you are watching Roland Martin Unfiltered. Jesse Smollett has taken the stand in his Chicago trial. Today, the former Empire actor testified as the trial enters its second week and nears a finish. Smollett's testimony focused on his relationship with Bola and Ola Dario, who testified that Smollett paid them to stage a fake hate crime. Smollett told jurors that he was not friends with Ola, but was friends with Bola, interesting, uh, with whom he testified he had a sexual relationship and would help him get drugs. Bola denied this during his testimony earlier in the trial. So it's very interesting, really quickly, uh, uh, Dr. Omikongo, uh, this has, you remember when this first happened, it just sort of blew up. And, and, mm -hmm. and I just kind of, mm -hmm. um, you know, juxtapose this against the issue of, you know, whenever there are issues regarding, um, you know, hate crimes, oftentimes it's hard to get the attention in terms of specifically calling it what it is. But when this mm -hmm. happened and it's been deemed this sort of fake hate crime, there is all sorts of attention mm -hmm. on it. And I would argue that, honestly, I feel like they're going to really throw the kitchen sink at Jesse. Uh, what are your thoughts about uh, what can we glean from the difference between how this issue has played out, not only legally, uh, but in front of the media? Uh, it, it's completely, as you said, they are completely out for, for blood and vengeance. And, and I believe that there are bigger fish to fry in Chicago of all of the issues that are going on there. And I believe that despite everything that, that he did, which was wrong and worthy of some type of uh, punishment, of course, this type of, they're turning this into like a O.J. Simpson trial part two. And when you think about everything we've talked about in the last few segments, about all of the work the family of Jelani Day has had to do, Ahmaud Arbery and so on and so forth, to get real attention put on to real serious things that have been crimes in the case of Arbery or things that will end up most likely being potential crimes with Jelani Day that have led to the loss of life and what everything, everything we have to do to get that attention, but you get a situation like this and the whole city and the police are going out of their mind to try to nail him to the wall. I think that this is ridiculous and I feel like this is what we all need to be mindful of what will happen if we 
slip up in any way, shape, or form, whether intentional or not. They will do anything to put any one of us on trial and make us the face of something in order to drive a point home. This is too much attention put on this case. Absolutely. Uh, agreed, uh, Dr. Malvo? I do agree fully with Dr. Obakongo. I think that this is absurd. Um, I don't know what happened. I wasn't there. I remember talking about this on this <laughs> program a couple of years ago when it first came out. And at that time, I think we had some little crazy black conservative who, you know, said it was a hoax. And I think I and someone else said it didn't have to be a hoax. I don't know what it is. It's not rational, but this ain't the worst thing that ever happened to anybody. Mm -hmm. And so to spend this kind of time, effort, energy, money, and publicity, mm -hmm. and publicity on this, is really to undermine the reality of hate crime. Because hate crime does happen to our people. All too often, people want to minimize it, yep. marginalize it. And this, this here, this thing here, I, you know, I, 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 since I wasn't there, I wasn't there. I tried not to comment when I wasn't there. Uh, but there's some <laughs> messed up stuff going on here, and we know that. Absolutely. But we also know, but we also know that this young man should not be thrown under the bus that there was a probability of some kind of relationship that kind of went sideways, um, whatever. Why are we spending hundreds of thousands of dollars trying to throw this young man in jail? Absolutely. And, and offered, you know, yeah. he offered to repay like 10 grand and to whatever. He, he pulled it back. Yeah. But they're not trying to do that. They want blood. This is revenge trial 101. It certainly is. And, and that is Dr. Malvo's version of my name is Bennett Nine in it. Okay. So next, <laughs> <laughs> next, we're going to be joined by the family of Donovan Lynch right after this quick break from our partners Nissan and Amazon. We'll be back with Laura Lamont and Unfiltered with the Black Star Network. <laughs> Alexa, play our favorite song again. Okay. I only have Maureen is saving big holiday shopping at Amazon. So now she's free to become 
Maureen the merrier. Food is her love language, and she really loves her grandson. Like, really loves. Hello, everyone. I'm Godfrey, and you're watching... Roland Martin Unfiltered, and while he's doing Unfiltered, I'm practicing the wobble. Tension is building in Virginia Beach after the prosecutor decides not to charge the cop who shot and killed Donovan Lynch in the town. The city's prosecutors say that Officer Solomon Simmons was justified in protecting himself and others in the late March shooting. They said Lynch racked around, raked around into his handgun's chamber and pointed his weapon toward a parking lot filled with multiple people and police. Joining me now is Wayne Lynch, Donovan's father, Lauren Lynch, Donovan's sister, attorney Jennifer Carroll Foy, and Minister Gary McCollum. So I'd like to start with the attorney. Um, thoughts around what's happening here with regards to the decision not to file charges. Legally, can you explain to us what the justification for that really was? Yes, and thank you for having me. So as a family friend and someone who's working with the family in order to bring more attention to this issue, uh, they're trying to say that this was a justifiable shooting. But what we know is that the facts don't add up or the information that was provided is insufficient. And there are so many holes that you can cast a net and catch many things in it. At the end of the day, we know that Donovan committed no crime. We know that he's a registered gun owner. We know that, you know, he was a college graduate in Virginia Beach having fun with his friends and ended up not coming home that evening because he was shot and killed by a law enforcement officer uh, in uniform during okay. his duty. Those are the things that we know, and that's a problem because there are many questions that still have not been answered. Absolutely. Questions that have not been answered, and right now it doesn't look like we're going to get answers. Um, uh, Mr. Lynch, uh, you know, my condolences to you. That is, this is the worst nightmare of any parent, uh, is to lose your child and to especially lose him under such tragic and unnecessary um, means that it looks like now you won't get any sense of justice for the closure, if there can be any closure after something like this. Can you tell us literally what you are feeling at this moment that you're hearing that your child's murderer won't face any sort of, um, any sort of justice moment uh, related to this? Well, first of all, thank you for having us. All praises to my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Um, my family has been devastated by this uh, tragic event. Um, we know that Donovan was a young man that we loved and cared about, who also loved and cared about his community. He was a business owner. Um, he was a college graduate. And now we want to have justice for Donovan. What I've done to uh, keep Donovan's uh, character and memory alive is, is start a foundation called the Donovan Wayne Lynch Foundation. And that foundation will shed light on issues in our community. What we've done along with uh, Jennifer and um, uh, Bobby Scott, Senator Scott, we've also uh, initiated, initiated a DOJ investigation. We want the DOJ to have an independent investigation to exactly what happened with Donovan. 
I love that, because uh, it sounds like to me you are you will never give up fighting for justice for your son. Uh, no. Lauren, you know, your dad said something that really struck me. Uh, he's not only fighting for justice, he's fighting to protect the character of his son. Uh, I would love to get your perspectives. If you could just describe to us the human being that your brother was. Um, my brother was very fun. He was very caring and very loving. He was very protective over me. He always made sure as his little sister that I was well taken care of. And he did everything he could to make sure that our family was taken care of and even his friends and people in the community. He was somebody that if you were having a down day that you could give a phone call and once that call was over, you can guarantee that your day just got a little bit better. That is so beautiful. It sounds like the type of, you know, I don't have any brothers, but it sounds like the type of brother I always wanted when I was growing up. Um, Minister McCullum, your thoughts. I know that you've probably been a rock for this family. Can you talk to us a little bit about uh, what they're going through right now? And also, I would argue what the community is going through, because it's got to be jarring for an entire community to have a rising young man like that just literally cut down in the prime of his life for no good reason. Yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. And as Wayne said, and his daughter, uh, this was a good man. Donovan was a good young man. And the thing that we hear and the thing that makes us um, get so persistent about trying to get justice for Donovan is that you have young people in this community, frankly, who said, if this can happen to Donovan, mm -hmm. this can happen to anybody. So the things that Wayne talked about, the creation of the, of the foundation, uh, creating a, a law so that we have true and in, uh, independent citizens review boards to investigate uh, police uh, practices like this or, or incidents like this, that's what we need. And so we're pressing for those, as Wayne said, getting this uh, the federal uh, justice department to investigate this because what we've seen here is police investigating the police. Mm. And that's not independent, and it's not uh, giving us a citizen's review over what happened uh, on that March night. That is so important, because when it sounds to me like, you know, when you have the fox guarding the hen house, what really can you expect? Um, Attorney Foy, I, I would love to get your thoughts on the prospects of uh, actually having some of these things that the, that the family is pushing for come to pass, like a DOJ investigation, like a Citizens Review Board, like new legislation uh, to hopefully make it more difficult for a tragedy like this uh, to happen in the future. Um, your thoughts around the viability of some of these ideas and, and what we can do uh, in order to put the pressure on so that they actually come to pass. Absolutely. The thing that we can do is continue to make sure that we're saying his name. Uh, Donovan Lynch, that we are activating and agitating for change. And that means contacting, you know, the DOJ, the Department of Justice, and saying that there should be an independent investigation in this case. Um, there is an officer-related shooting. You have, uh, as Minister McCollum said, you know, police investigating the police, that we know that we need to do better, we can do better. We saw what happened in the Ahmaud Arbery case, and that the prosecutor initially said there was no probable cause there. But because of national outrage and outreach, you know, those three people who were responsible for his death have been brought to justice and convicted of murder. And the prosecutor is going to be held accountable as well. So we know oftentimes the system doesn't work the way it should, and that's where we have to step in and say enough is enough. 
now is our time to ensure we have true transparency and accountability in the system. And thanks to Congressman Bobby Scott and so many others who are demanding a independent investigation from the Department of Justice, let's unify our voices and uplift this family in a real way. Let's make sure we contribute to the foundation. Let's also push here in Virginia to have mandatory civilian review boards for any jurisdiction with over 100,000 people in population so we can have people actually being held accountable. These are public employees with taxpayer money, and we want no more deaths because we know that Donovan Lynch did not commit a crime, he did not shoot a shot, and he should not have been shot down. So this is what we're talking about. We really want to make sure that we're holding people accountable and we get answers to the questions. And that's where civilian review boards come in because they have investigative powers, they can subpoena documents, they can interview witnesses, and they can delve out consequences as well. So while I'm excited to have been a part of the legislation that was initially passed in the General Assembly to establish civilian review boards, the Donovan Lynch bill will make it stronger by making it mandatory and also ensuring that we don't you know, pack the civilian review boards with former law enforcement officers that we make sure it is the people, the taxpayer, who have a say, who's reviewing the evidence, and who's able to delve out consequences and bring real transparency and accountability to the system. Thank you there. Uh, Mr. Lynch, uh, coming back to you one more time, can you tell me a little bit more about how the community around you has uh, been impacted? Like, what's going on in the community right now? And, and tell us a little bit more about what you are doing. I noticed that you're holding something. You might want to tell us the significance of the piece uh, that you're displaying there. Yes, this is an award Donovan received postpartumly from his University of Virginia at Wise. It's a prestigious award called the TPS Hellison Award, and it's given to a young man or, or in the community that's doing great things in his community, also in, in the uh, community where he served and went to college and played football. Donald was a tremendous athlete. He played both football and basketball. He was very uh, good at both, but he went to college to play football. But the basketball was first love. I mean, Steve made a holler at me. <laughs> <laughs> But Donovan was a great young man. He was a father's dream. Um, we want to make sure his legacy continues. Donovan um, was a uh, young man who always looked to help others. He always had a positive word for others. He was always kind and caring. So we want to make sure that Donovan's name is strong in the community like it was previously. He did nothing wrong, and we want to vindicate Donovan. Justice for Donna. Yes. I, I hear you. Quickly, I just want to bring in the panel if you happen to have any questions. Uh, Dr. Malvo, I'll start with you. Any questions for the Donovan family, their pastor, or their legal representative? Well, first of all, absolutely my heartfelt condolences. This is a horrible situation. It happens again and again and again around our country. But I feel for you, and um, I hope you'll accept my condolences and my prayers. Now, my question in terms of the award and the role that Donovan played in the community and the way that you're attempting to basically say his name, say his name, say his name, what can the larger community do to lift up Donovan Lynch? Well, we have a foundation called the Donovan Wayne Lynch Foundation for Social and Economic Justice. It has an outline of Donovan's law 
as outline of the CRP that was just instituted in the city of Virginia Beach, which is a milestone. It also has information on how you can uh, make contributions and donations to the foundation so we can continue to work in the community that we started. Uh, Donovan's main thing before he left uh, this earth was he wanted to change the world. And that's literally what we're going to do. We want to change the world. We want to make sure that no other young men or women in Virginia or anywhere else is killed by police brutality for no reason. Mm. Powerful, powerful I would, thing. I would, yes. mm -hmm. that, uh, I would say to anyone listening to this, don't be silent. Uh, you know, Dr. King said it best, our days begin to end the day that we become silent about things that matter. And the mm -hmm. lives of young people like Donovan, they matter. Changing this system in terms of providing police accountability, those are really important issues and they matter. So being silent is not an option. I would also urge the community to follow us on our social media, especially our Instagram, Justice, the number four, Donovan Lynch, D-O-N-O-V-O-N-L-Y-N-C-H. So that way you can stay up to date on what we're doing in the community and also about the things involving Donovan. Love it. And Dr. Omeg Congo, any questions? Yes, uh, first of all, I would like to also offer my condolences. And uh, I wanted to bring it back to, to the police. And I am wondering, are they basically acting like this is case closed, get out of our face? Or are they doing any type of work to be part of the healing process in the community? Well, it's, it's still an ongoing investigation. Um, what mm -hmm. we have... Um, Take place previously was an investigation by the Commonwealth of Virginia and the grand jury finding. But that does not uh, eliminate the case. The case is still ongoing. It's still being investigated, still being witnesses uh, interviewed. So we're still pursuing uh, justice in that regard. Absolutely. And it's my belief that you will continue to pursue justice. This seems like the type of family uh, that will never give up. Uh, you know, on behalf of us all, you inspire us. And for those of us who have children and at home, hug them a little harder and also go and support this family who's missing a key part of what makes their hearts whole. So thank you all so much for joining and, us tonight. And just one other thing before you go. I have some young community organizers that have been with me from the start. I would be remiss if I can't get them uh, on camera right quick. These kids have been with me the whole, whole time. Cameron Beltran and Angela Horton. They have literally been with me every step of the way. They are Donovan Spring, but they're also community activists and organizers in the Hampton Road. Cameron is the founding CEO of VIP Battle Intervention Prevention LLC. You can go to his website also and see him on Instagram. And Ms. Horton is also a, a community activist with the Underground 1865. It's her organization. So go online and, and look these young people up. They've done a marvelous job helping myself and my daughter in our community. Because it could have went another way if we had not had the foresight to have people in place that knew what to do. 
Indeed, and also uh, thank you for taking the time to introduce these powerful young people to us, because as you're right, it's, it, they need to be acknowledged for the work that they're doing to make sure that your son's name lives on. Thank you so much for joining us this evening. Thank you, really appreciate it, God bless you. You too. We have, we have so much more on Roland Martin Unfiltered, and right after this break, we'll come back and tell you all about it. See you in a few. Alexa, play our favorite song again. Okay. I only That spin class was brutal. Well, you can try using the Buick's massaging seat. Ooh, yeah, that's nice. Can I use Apple CarPlay to put some music on? Sure. It's wireless. Pick something we all like. Okay, hold on. What's your Buick's Wi-Fi password? Buick Envision 2021. Oh, you should pick something stronger that's really predictable. That's a really tight spot. Don't worry. I used to hate parallel parking. Me too. Hey. You really outdid yourself. Yes, we did. The all-new Buick Envision, an SUV built around you. All of you. Once upon a time, there lived a princess with really long hair who was waiting for a prince to come save her. But really, who has time for that? Let's go. Fill myself. Fill myself. She ordered herself a ladder with Prime one day delivery, and she was out of there. Now, her hairdressing empire is killing it. And the prince, well, who cares? Prime changed everything. Hi, I'm LD Barge. Hey, yo, Peace World, what's going on? It's the love king of R&B, Raheem Devine, and you're watching Roland Martin, Unfiltered. The Omicron variant is popping up across the U.S. Uh, take variant uh, F, uh, has 32 uh, cases across 12 states uh, that have been reported in several states, including, unfortunately, Maryland, uh, California, New York, and Louisiana. Uh, President Biden's medical advisor, Dr. Fauci, recommends vaccines and booster shots as an effective way to stay safe from the new variant. In New York City, uh, Mayor Bill de Blasio enforces a new vaccine mandate for all private employees. Employees must have one dose of the vaccine by December 27th. The city already has mandates workers, uh, mandates workers and patrons of indoor dining, entertainment, venues, and gyms. There are nearly 100,000 new cases of COVID a day, the highest it's been in two months. Uh, there are over 49 million cases and more than 800,000 deaths in America. Nearly 60% of the U.S. population is fully vaccinated. Booster shots are recommended for all eligible adults. I have to say, panel, I've already got my booster. Shout out to the Safeway in Oxon Hill, okay? <laughs> Where you can also get 10% off your groceries when you get your booster there. So I would suggest that you do that, okay? That's what's up. <laughs> That's what we're thinking about. I, you know, my second shot made me so sick that I'm worried about the booster. I'll be honest. I, yeah, I was sick for two days behind that second shot. It's better than being uh, dead forever. <laughs> well, I'm just saying, comparatively speaking. I'm nervous about the booster. I do not have, at the end of an academic year, 
semester, I do not have two or three days me laying up in the bed. So I have to wait until sometime. Uh, unless one of y'all, Oman Congo, Avis, y'all know me. Who's volunteering to come take care of me? If my behind gets sick. I'll come get you. I'll get you, especially if it means coming out to California, girl. I'll be right there on that next plane. So, <laughs> and, well, let me just no, tell no you that my experience, you know, like I, I'm, I'm part of the Moderna gang, okay? So I'm straight Moderna, okay? All three, the one that was co-invented by a black woman. Hello, that's why it's the best one. So let me tell you, for me, honestly, after my third, uh, after my booster, I had, the only thing I had was a sore arm, literally, for a few hours. That's it. I had yep. no side effects whatsoever from my third booster or my first one, a little bit, maybe a little bit tired, a little bit more after my second one. But this one for me was even easier than the second one in terms of any sort of lingering effects. So I think it just maybe impacts people differently. Um, but like I said, even if you're, you're two days under the weather, that's better than being forever six feet under the ground, right? Uh, what do you think? Okay, I, I had two nervous. <laughs> I'm very nervous about the third. I, I will get it at some point. But, um, and no, I don't... When I go six feet under, there will be an earthquake. All y'all will know <laughs> that I'm six feet under. <laughs> Dr. Ome Congo. No, I think I might, I, I might have to hit up that, that Oxen Hill for, for the 10% discount. Come on down. The, that's the blackest Safeway in America. I'm telling you. I'm loving that, no, no that story. I got my... I got... <laughs> I got my, I know exactly where it is too. I, I got my appointment scheduled for, you know, waiting for the semester to end. So, you know, by the next time we meet, you know, we definitely should have that taken care of. And I just think that is something that we have to do to help contain this joint. So let's just make it happen. Let's all do what we need to do so we can get over this. Absolutely. And in all seriousness, when you look at what's happening in places like, you know, we're in the D.C. area, except for uh, Dr. Malvo. Now she's left us. We all say it. We miss her. She's over there on the side of the country now on the West Coast. <laughs> right. Maybe or maybe not the best coast. I, 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 will, I will say <laughs> this. If you look at just the data, though, for real, um, I've run across studies that suggest that COVID deaths are as much as six times higher in red states, Republican-led states, where they continue to spread the propaganda and the lie that's meant to keep people from getting the vaccines than they are in blue states, where a higher proportion of the population are actually fully vaccinated, if not fully vaccinated and boosted. Um, you know, what do you, what do you think this sort of, what should we take from that, literally as a black community, uh, that, you know, express some concern given our history in this nation about uh, moving forward with getting vaccinated now that it's been out here for a while and we can literally look at the hard data and see that it keeps people from uh, having a much less likelihood of actually going to the hospital and dying if they have this vaccines. What would be your message to the, to the black community, Dr. Malvo, about making sure that they're fully vaccinated and when they can, going ahead and getting that extra booster with these new variants on the horizon? I plead with people to do it. On our campus, Cal State LA, 90 plus percent of our students are vaccinated. Unfortunately, the number for faculty, y'all can guess because y'all know faculty. They have minds mm -hmm. in it. Uh, mm -hmm. <laughs> so the number is over. I think it's, more, it's, it's the, the low, low 80s or high 70s. But our students are being vaccinated. People are being vaccinated. But then, first of all, I love the Nation of Islam. I appreciate Minister Farrakhan. But that spit they have running in the final call about anti-vax is cray-cray to the cray-cray. Mm -hmm. 
Stop it, y'all. <laughs> Seriously, stop it. They're not the only ones. You have uh, folks... I, I have a family member who... A sibling, actually. We will not let him come to Thanksgiving because boyfriend lied and said he was vaccinated. He lied. Mm. And then we found he had lied. Mm. And we're like, oh, no, no. You can come and get a plate and a hug, but you got to hit the road, Jack. Um, <laughs> so he didn't come. <laughs> but in any case... <laughs> But in any case, you know, we're trying to tell the story, and there's so much misinformation, and we do have the black people history, which is also horrible. But I would just say to people, look, white people die in two. If only people die with black people, I would say, don't get the shot. White people die in two. Get the shot. It's not a conspiracy. It's science. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> absolutely true. And, and your thoughts, uh, Dr. Omikongo, you know, it is disturbing to see institutions that we've respected for many years. You know, it's really kind of ironic that they're spitting the same sort of propaganda that we oftentimes yep. see in right-wing circles. It, it is really weird. I feel like I'm in, like, mm -hmm. an episode of Super Friends and I'm in some bizarro world. I mean, <laughs> what do you think is going on here with these instances? I think that people have become so invested in their narratives that they're going to stick with them throughout. Look, in the beginning, all of us were skeptical about it. But the fact of the matter is, at some point, you got to respect the science. And we've had so many people, especially black medical experts, who have been out there vouching for their stuff, who know the history in our communities better than anybody else. And ultimately, those are the people also we need to start paying attention to who have been doing the work. And many of them have been on our show as well. And, but when people are so entrenched in their values, it doesn't matter. I saw a case in Italy where a, a, a guy tried to go get, I heard this today, he tried to go get a vaccine, y'all. He had a fake arm. So what? he didn't believe in the vaccine, <laughs> but he knew that it was mandatory. So they were trying to, they like felt the arm and they were like, oh, excuse me, sir, can you put the arm up? Oh, my it was fake. It was, I'm not lying. I'm not lying. I'm not lying. And he was like, he's like, could you just turn the other way and pretend this isn't happening? And they're like, nah, we can't do that. And I think he got like arrested or something. But that's how entrenched people are. And my thing is, if you're oh not going to do it, Stand in your values and speak to it. Don't try to get around the system and possibly make other people sick and the like. Look, we got to get out of this together as a community. We've been the people most hurt. And, of course, going into the red states, there's a lot of black people living in those red states as yes. well, you know, who are suffering and struggling. But a lot of these guys who are on the supremacist side of things, they want to spread it in our community. So they definitely don't have a problem with more people, more of us dying in those red states as well. We got to beat them by beating this disease, this virus, by getting the, 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 the shot. Let's just do it. Absolutely. I mean, far be it for me to lend to conspiracy theories. But if I were going to lend to conspiracy theories, I would say that, you know, when this first started, we saw that uh, there was a specific concentration largely in uh, more urban, highly densely populated areas, uh, which do seem to be, you know, have a significant um, proportion of people of color. And I feel like at that moment, I could see the right wing pushing these conspiracies because they were hurting people at that point that were not, quote unquote, their people. Uh, but but it, it started them down a road where it was hard for them to backtrack. And so now that they've continued this nonsense and they are still killing their people, they continue to go in that direction, I would argue, mainly as a political ploy to maintain power or to get reclaim power at the federal level, uh, largely because, honestly, we're a couple 
of years into this and people are just tired. They want to get back to yeah. normal. They want to tell themselves and that COVID is over. And some Republicans are, in fact, lying to them and telling them that COVID is over. Uh, you know, what do we really need to sort of uh, hear, you two, really quickly as we wrap this up? You know, to get people to really realize that we ain't through this yet. We might be tired of it. We might be annoyed. We might not want to wear the mask. But let me tell you, I'd wear the mask any day, rather than being, once again, six feet under for, you know, millennia. You know, I think that we just have to keep saying, get vaccinated. Come on. This isn't going away. You know, the thing about it, I don't know anybody who has lost... I've lost two people to COVID. Um, not very, very... Anyway, but I don't know anyone who hasn't lost somebody or was connected to someone who's lost somebody. That's the story you tell people. You want to have your friends go out like that? Or you just want to sit, sit here, you know, and be a jackass, frankly? Mm -hmm. I mean, there's a whole bunch of jackasses out there who don't believe in science and they don't be a, believe in reality. Absolutely. Dr. Omi Kongo? I say if people want to get back to their lives, uh, educationally, economically, professionally, get out and, and live their lives, this has to be part of the process. We haven't gotten out of any pandemic or any epidemic without vaccines. This is here. The science is here. And every time we let our guard up, something else is coming out, Omicron, whatever's going to come after that. Everyone, we need all hands on deck to end this mess. And we can do it if we just have the will to. But we are slaves to our freedoms right here in America. And that's what is part of the problem. We feel like we have the freedom to do whatever we want, but you don't have the license to kill your neighbors with this virus. You know, I really think you hit the nail on the head with that. Once again, I see this as a cultural defect in this country, this sort of rugged individualism over yep. a sense of community and doing what's right for us all as a community, as a, as a nation. There's this issue of, I just want to do what I want to do and be damned the reverberating impacts on somebody else. You know, maybe we need to do something where, hey, if you decided you didn't want to get a, a vaccine and you end up in the hospital, then maybe you, your, your, your care isn't prioritized over others who actually, you know, need help and have done everything that they can do to prevent uh, either their illness with COVID or other things. Because, you know, when people have COVID, they can be clogging up. And it's going to go up as the, as the weather gets cooler, right? Uh, they could be mm -hmm. clogging up the hospital systems from people that need, you know, breast, you know, cancer surgeries and other things. And so this is a time where you not only want to look out for the health for yourself, but the health of those around you as well. Well, there's more to come on Roland Martin Unfiltered. Uh, they face charges in the deadly Michigan high school shooting, and they aren't the ones who pulled the trigger. Their kid did. We'll have the latest on Ethan Crumbly's parents. Plus, we'll tell you why the city of Philadelphia is being sued by a man who spent 25 years on death row. But first, a quick break. Stay with us. You're watching Roland Martin Unfiltered on the Black Star Network. Alexa, play our favorite song again. Okay.
Maureen is saving big holiday shopping at Amazon. So now she's free to become Maureen the Marrier. Food is her love language. And she really loves her grandson. Like, really loves. Hi, I'm Vivian Green. You're hey, everybody. This is your man, Fred Hammond. And you're watching Roland Martin, my man, unfiltered. doing our best to find the best healthy way of eating. Whether it be low carb, high protein, low fat, or no fat, there's something for everyone. Have you ever tried eat for your blood type? Joining me is nutritionist Dr. Joy Scott from Atlanta to explain why it means what it means to eat for your blood type. Hey there, Doc. How are you doing? Wonderful. How are you? I am doing great. Now, this is a very uh, interesting perspective on what type of diet we should follow. And I have to be honest with you, I had never heard of this approach of tailoring your diet to your blood type. Can you explain to us, you know, what that really means and why we should consider doing that? Okay. Well, what it does mean, there are four blood types. And what it means, certain blood types can tolerate certain foods as far as staying healthy. And the, the foods can affect the blood. It could change the consistency of the blood, meaning it could make it thick. It could cause it to clot. And that is not what you would want. It creates diseases. Mm. And so you don't want to create diseases with your diet. You actually want to prevent them. So there, by there being four blood types, then you are going to find out your blood type and then start to eat according to your blood type. You know, so uh, because you wouldn't want to create or cause yourself to have a heart attack. No, you wouldn't want to create or cause yourself to have lupus. And because these foods are creating these lectins that causes all this inflammation to happen in your blood, in your arteries, stack up plaque along your artery walls, cause the lining, the endothelium lining in your arteries to inflate, causing a smaller opening in your arteries and in the little capillaries, in your eyes even. So... We want to make sure that we're eating the right foods for our blood type so we wouldn't create diseases of the body. There's over 1,500 diseases, and research has proven then that your diet do affect it. And so we want to make sure we're eating the right foods for your blood type. We've been going all around the country and helping people to know their blood types and giving them the books, put the app on your phone so you know what to eat. You know, like I'm a blood type O, there, I cannot have bread. I'm now choosing to eat flat bread. This is uh, not flat millet bread. I can't eat the wheat bread. Um, a blood type. They are the people who couldn't eat red meat. It's causing your blood to thicken and blood clots could form and that could 
create havoc to your bloodstream. Mm -hmm. There you go. Wow. Uh, and so, yes, O's are meat eaters, A's are vegan, vegetarians. And if you're not uttering these things, you're helping your body to create diseases. And um, those blood type Bs, okay, when they are eating chicken, this is one of the things that could cause lupus and autoimmune diseases like fibromyalgia, sarcoidosis, rheumatoid arthritis, regular arthritis for that matter. And so, and we thought it was for some other reason. And it was your diet all along. Wow. So, this is, mm -hmm. And so what's on the screen now, what? The chicken, black type bees cannot touch that chicken. And if you ask probably eight out of 10 people that have lupus, they love chicken. And when you change your diet, let's say blood type B, stop eating the chicken. Not only will all that inflammation go away, they'll lose weight. The weight just go away. And we've seen it happen over and over. One of my best friends, size 18, stopped the chicken, went down to a size six. Beautiful. Wow. Weight loss. Mm -hmm. Wow, this is this is really fascinating to me, and I'm thinking about my father who uh, had a heart attack that, and it ultimately led to the end of his life. Certainly, wish I would have had this information then, but I would kind of love to to see us sort of take a look at these graphics again because I found some things on there a little shocking. You know, I think, for example, wheat bread is better than white bread, and that's showing that in some instances, and, and maybe it is, but depending upon your blood type, for example. You sh maybe you shouldn't be eating wheat bread, something that many of us might think is a healthy alternative. And, and I wouldn't have thought, like for years, I don't eat red meat, I don't eat pork, but I do eat poultry uh, and fish. So just seeing that there are certain um, blood types that should avoid chicken is surprising for, for me. You know, what do you think that, you know, how can we sort of, um, first of all, embrace these things that would mean for many of us changing habits that we've likely had in place from childhood, uh, how can we go about the process of not only changing those habits, but embracing the right foods once we learn what works better with our bodies because it's in alignment with our blood types? Well, first of all, make them taste good. But the first thing you want to address is when you sit to eat, you want to ask yourself one question. What is this food going to do for me? That's the question you want to ask yourself. Is it gonna cause my 70 trillion cells to become healthier or am I gonna put my health at risk? That's the question. You know, people are saying right about now that food is overrated. So then when you sit to eat, are you eating just for taste? And so, you know, I like to think that when you sit to eat, it's getting ready to give you that energy you need, that mental ability that you need for your day. And it's gonna cause a cleansing and a, um, you know, and go in and start repairing and rejuvenating your body every day. Mm. And so that's why we're eating to feed those 70 trillion cells. So, but if we got a bagel with white wheat, all the nutrients removed and start smearing on dairy products, of course you're gonna have 
mucus in your respiratory system, almost like inviting a virus, like the COVID. So you wouldn't want to do that. So just asking yourself a common little question. Mm -hmm. What is this food going to do for me? And better, bigger than that, for my blood type. Now, look, I can I throw this in and have you look at it? Look at um, personalities that are wrapped around blood type. Blood type O's, those are the people that, that know everything, want to control everything. They are the boss, want to run everything. That you know, they have me. a robust <laughs> immune system, okay? Now, A blood type people, those are the nicest people. I tell all my friends, go find your A blood type husband. And so, you know, the niceness, the caring, the I'm a bear, that's the blood type A. They are the vegans, vegetarians. And so the they say the O's are meat eaters. However, you didn't have to. I'm plant-based, uh, vegan, and I'm an O. But yes, I love control. Yes, definitely. Okay. Well, I would love to be able to bring the panel here, here in here to be able to ask questions that they might have around this conflation of blood type and diet. I'll start with you, Dr. Malvo. Any questions? Well, I'm sitting over here cracking up, but that's not the point. Um, I'm type O, so I saw some insight in terms of the way that I ordinarily eat. But, you know, this blood type thing is something that I hadn't heard of before in terms of blood type eating. I think a lot of other people haven't heard of it before. What makes it so different, and why should uh, Susie Q around the block pay attention to uh, these ideas you have? Okay, so one thing research has been done to see how long humans could live, and we're not making that happen. Humans, 10 years of research, um, uh, renowned researcher David Sinclair found out that humans could live 125 years up to 150 years. This was research done at Harvard University. Why are we not living those years? Why are we having heart attacks? Why is cardiovascular system the number one pillar? The reason is when certain blood types eat their avoid, which is their poisonous food, it almost instantly thickens your blood. Like, so if the A blood type eat a steak, that blood get thick, thick immediately. And it could create a stroke, a heart attack, just on the spot almost. So I tell people, you could go down to the funeral home, just cut these bellies open, the blood type A, have that heart attack, stroke, you'll find that steak in there. Here you go, blood type B, you'll find that chicken in that belly. Blood type O, you're going to find some potatoes, white potatoes, or bread sitting in that belly. So you may not want to believe it, but it thickens. We say those are foods that would you should avoid if you're different blood types. You may not want to believe it, but the research has been done, followed through the years, it's not just new research, and it is not treating a disease. It's, see, low. so if you go to a blood type A, almost every time they may not have arrived at this point, but they've got digestive issue, 
Uh, they got inflammation in that whole digestive tract, especially if they're eating their avoid foods. They do better on a vegan vegetarian diet. And so do you know your father's blood type? What blood type was he? I don't know. Mm -hmm. And that's what we are finding out. There is no, almost no system in place right now that teaches health, self-health care. Mm. So that we could know some things. And that is the one thing that is quite important. You know, like if, if a ch child is suffering from hyperactivity, attention deficit disorder, you're gonna find high sugar and high fats in that diet. And it is gonna help thicken that blood, create a lot of stress. The food does affect your health. Absolutely. And, and Dr. So Omegungo, questions? Yes. Uh First of all, thank you, um, Dr. Scott, for the work that you're doing. Uh, this is something that, that my wife has been talking to me about for years, and I've been working to get better on it. Um, I found that a lot of kids I'm around nowadays have a lot of allergies to different things, particularly relating to fruits, that we a lot of us didn't have problems with as a kid. Since you have fruit on every aspect of, of all the blood types that people should consume, are you concerned with the, with the future of fruit and how that's produced? Because it seems like it's an issue for a lot of kids nowadays. Yeah. So, in terms of allergies. Now, well, here is one fruit, citrus. When you mix mm -hmm. citrus with one of the most other popular food called breads, starches, pasta, crackers, you put the, those two together and you're going to have respiratory issues, allergies. You're going to have mm. mucus building up. They're going to okay. be always, okay. you know, with all this asthma and mucus. So citrus and wheat don't go together, period. And so if we first. could just watch how we put things together as well, you know, you know, in our school systems, we are serving breakfast pizza and the, mm -hmm. the eczema, you know, all of that. Mm. That's creating a lot of allergies from wheat. We are eating way too much mucusy forming foods and wheat mixed with citrus. It's gonna create a, a lot of allergies and it causes congestion even in your gut. It destroys health and destroying your immune system. That congestion, we're not cleansing these bodies very well at all. You know, it's like one meal in and one meal out. Mm. If we could just honor that, but when you're eating wheat, a lot of times it's congesting your whole digestive system and it's irritating, causing inflammation in your respiratory. And especially if you put citrus, and we love to put citrus like orange juice with breakfast, pancakes, mm -hmm. waffles, mm -hmm. and that creates mm -hmm. a lot of mucus, which is a lot of reasons for skin problems and respiratory problems. Yes. Well, Dr. We wheat. Dr. Scott, this is so incredible. Such great information. Can you let people know how they can get more information so that they can put into practice more healthy eating that aligns with their blood type? Wow. <laughs> That's a good one. 
I'm going to ask you for tonight is just email me. My email is drjoy911 at gmail.com. That's D-R-J-O-Y 911 at gmail.com. And we, we have a course. We have a, a network called Dale's Express wellness.com that can actually get you to looking closer at your own health and having wellness chats. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, thank you. Thanks so much for sharing. And we'll be right back in a moment. Thank you. Oh, that spin class was brutal. Well, you can try using the Buick's massaging seat. Oh, yeah, that's nice. Can I use Apple CarPlay to put some music on? Sure. It's wireless. Pick something we all like. Okay, hold on. What's your Buick's Wi-Fi password? Buick Envision 2021. Oh, you should pick something stronger that's really predictable. That's a really tight spot. Don't worry. I used to hate parallel parking. Me too. Hey. Really outdid yourself. Yes, we did. The all-new Buick Envision. An SUV built around you. All of you. Betty is saving big holiday shopping at Amazon. So now, she's free to become Bear Hug Betty. Settle in, kids. You'll be there a while. Ooh, where are you going? I'm Chrisette Michelle. Hi, I'm Chaley Rose, and you're watching Roland Martin Unfiltered. James and Jennifer, the parents of 15-year-old Ethan Crumbly, who killed four classmates and injured uh, seven during a gun rampage last Tuesday, are in jail on a half-million-dollar bond. The duo is charged with four counts each of involuntary manslaughter. The Crumleys did not turn themselves in on Friday, as we all know, for their arrangement. The couple were found hiding in a commercial building in Detroit, all three Crumbleys are isolated separately in an Oakland County jail with no communication. Ethan is charged as an adult. He's facing several charges of terrorism, murder, assault, and possession of a firearm in the commission of a felony. A black man in Tennessee is getting a new trial after jurors deliberated in a room with a Confederate symbol. Oh, that's interesting. A uh, photo of a Confederacy president makes it even more interesting. And the room paid homage to the daughters of Confederacy. Well, why not have the perfect five trifecta, I guess? Okay, so Tim Gilbert was sentenced to six years in prison for aggravated assault and other charges in June of 2020. Uh, his defense attorney ap ap appealed uh, the sentencing, um, citing that the all-white jury and racist Confederate symbols that may have influenced jurors in the deliberation room. Uh, Tennessee Court of Appeals agreed with Gilbert's attorney, and his case will be retried. This ruling may set a new precedent for Confederate symbols inside and outside in the South. Sure, it took them long enough. Okay, so an innocent man who spent 25 years on death row is suing the city of Philadelphia. Uh, Christopher Williams was charged with six murders in the late 1980s. He was acquitted of two and convicted for four of those murders. He consistently maintained his innocence. Williams said law enforcement officials covered up evidence, buried leads, and fabricated evidence to arrest and convict him. In February, Williams was released after Philadelphia's district attorney's conviction integrity unit found prosecutorial misconduct, including including hidden evidence and secret deals 
throughout Williams's case. Oh my goodness, I don't even know where to go with all of this. I mean, we, we're going for the perfect trifecta in love of the Confederacy, which ultimately may have influenced the jury decision, uh, to hear a real life uh, sort of case where a man spends years and years in jail when he shouldn't have, all the way back then to this you know, kid who ends up murdering several classmates, injuring others, and his parents who go on the run, finally getting caught, uh, all in this sort of wave of gun violence. I mean, where do we start with all of this? Uh, reactions, uh, Dr. Malvo? That's the one you should have started with. Oh, Macago. Okay, I think totally fell on the floor at the time, I think. Anyway, no, I, the, the thing that I want to fixate on more is this innocent man who spent so many years in jail. We're hearing this again and again and again. And the issue has always been that if you see a black man anywhere in a 25-mile radius of a crime, he did it. Um, so I, I, I want to focus on that more than anything. Some of the other stuff, Avis, is funny. and uh, But let us think about the Innocence Project. Mm -hmm. I want them to partner with the NAACP. I want us to be more diligent about these folks who are dead bro, or in jail for 20 some years for stuff they didn't do. This is how you break down a black community. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Uh, Dr. Ome Kongo, thoughts? I, these three cases really highlight how the system works against us and in favor of, of white people in many situations. If you think about the situation with, with, with the Michigan family and the kid who killed uh, those four students tragically and injured others, imagine what would have happened if that was a black child demonstrating those disciplinary issues in school. We're talking suspensions, expulsions, detention, all of that. This kid had all of the signs, pictures of that that, that teachers took of him killing, you know, pictures of killing people, you know, texts back and forth about guns and all of that. Parents were called up for meetings and everything because people were concerned. And he was allowed back into the classroom. Hmm. And then all of this other type of, and then everything broke from there. When you contrast that with these other situations, particularly the last one with the brother in Philadelphia, where people just piled on things, piled on things. Let's just figure out more ways to make sure that this man is the guy who goes behind bars. It has me thinking of the Central Park Five. And we know that particularly during that time, the 80s, 90s, and of course, even now, these cases happen far too often. And the ones that we hear about are the exceptions because there are so many that have been the rule. And so these three cases really just show me how the system is continually stacked up against us. And in many situations, white people are able to get away with murder. Mm. Well mm. said. Absolutely true. And uh, at some point, we got to make that change. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Omekongo. Thank you so much, Dr. Malvo. And thank you for joining us. Well, that is it for us tonight. I want to thank my panel for making this an interesting conversation this evening. And thanks for joining us here on Roland Martin Unfiltered, streaming on the Black Star Network. If you haven't done it yet, be sure to download the Black Star Network on all of your devices. 
If you would like to support us so we can continue bringing us the stories that matter to us, listen, then you need to make sure that you do just that. I'm Dr. Avis Jones-DeWeaver. I'll be back with you tomorrow. Have a great evening. Holla. See, this difference between Black Star Network and Black-owned media and something like CNN. You can't be Black-owned media and be scared. It's time to be smart. Bring your eyeballs home. You dig? Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast, is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts, if you dare. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. 
If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350 plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip hop beats and more on the iHeartRadio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play.